You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truths from his word today. Let's take our Bibles and let's turn to Ephesians. Just before we left for the Philippines, we were looking at the issue of bitterness. We talked about anger one evening and how to remove anger from our lives and from our home, and then we dealt with bitterness. And so tonight we want to do just a a very quick review over that last lesson on bitterness. And we looked at several things that we need to do in order to deal with bitterness. I think every one of us have been bitter. There may be some here tonight that are still struggling with a root of bitterness. And so we looked at what the Bible had to say about it. And I want to tell you it's a very destructive sin. It roots itself very deeply in our hearts. And sometimes it's very difficult to overcome. And so tonight we want to look at the last step in overcoming bitterness, and that is coming to a place of unconditional forgiveness. Unconditional. Here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, be angry, you can have righteous anger and sin not. But don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. See, if that happens, it very easily can turn into bitterness. Neither give place to the devil. Verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind one to another tender hearted what's the next word forgiving forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you how often shall someone trespass against us and we forgive them Seventy times seven. You say, what is that? That is unconditional forgiveness. We forgive others even if they never ask us to. Here, when it comes to the family, the Bible says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. It is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not what? Bitter. Is it easy for bitterness to rise within a family? And for that bitterness just to be swept under the carpet and, you know, we just kind of deal with it, we just kind of live with it, and it just really roots itself down and divides us as a family unit. Then it goes goes on to say, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is well, uh, in all things, for this is well pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. 
And so the key to overcoming bitterness is unconditional forgiveness. Now let's talk just a little bit about bitterness and then we'll get into this issue of forgiveness. Bitterness in the Greek language, uh, which the New Testament was written in, simply means to undergo something painful. We get bitter because something hurts us. We've been hurt. It's unpleasant. Something unpleasant happens in our lives and individuals have brought that unpleasantness to us and so we develop a bitter spirit towards them. There's injury, grief, affliction, or a trial uh, that comes into our life and it's very easy for Satan to get an advantage of us and turn that into bitterness. It also means to uh, make fast, to fix, to fasten together. Listen, to build by fastening together, literally meaning to build a case or to stand against someone for revenge and for his or her destruction. How can I get even with them for what they have done to me? A bitter spirit. The word is closely related to the word bite, bitter, bite. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not what? Consume. Bitterness can consume us and can consume a family. As pastor just prayed, uh, pastor, you and I, we've seen it consume churches, haven't we? That bitter spirit rises and Satan uses it so effectively. This I say, then walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The biblical description of bitterness is given to us. It's called poison called poison, something to make a person deadly sick. It's likened unto wormwood, which is a strong-smelling plant, which has a very bitter and unpleasant taste. Mm-hmm. Nasty. It's like gall, which is a bitter, uh, slightly alkaline, yellowish-green fluid secreted from the liver and stored in the gallbladder, the bile was used in scripture to refer to anything that was distasteful, unpleasant, and which causes vexation of spirit. This, this isn't a pretty picture, is it? And so the, really the only way to deal with bitterness is come to that point to where we are willing to unconditionally forgive those who have trespassed against us. I think it's important for us to recognize what bitterness is. Most people, if you ask them if they are bitter, they have a difficult time admitting it. Um, when individuals come to us for counseling, one of the main root issues is always bitterness. You have bitterness, you have temporal values, you have immorality. Uh, all three are identified as roots in the Bible. But Satan does not want us to admit that we are bitter. And so we'll say something like this. We'll say we've been hurt. I've been deeply hurt, but I don't think that I'm bitter. So what we want to do tonight is we want to really ask ourselves some serious questions. And I'm going to propose those questions to you tonight to see if it is possible that there may be a root of bitterness in our hearts. I've been hurt. I just was extremely disappointed in that person and what they did. I expected a whole lot more out of them. I expected better from them. So I was hurt. I was disappointed. Uh, I I was offended. I was offended by what they, I'll have to admit, I was offended. And I'm here just to say to you, it's 
this, this is what I experience when I'm dealing with individuals in a counseling room. It is just so, so difficult to get them to admit that they are bitter. Now, if you can't admit it, you'll never come to victory over it, right? I mean, that's, that's an important step to take to say, okay, I am bitter. I recognize that I am bitter towards that person. Sometimes we can even be bitter toward God, right? So we looked at some steps in overcoming bitterness. We saw that we need to see suffering from God's perspective. It was interesting in Scripture that you will find that the apostles, they rejoiced in suffering. We don't. We try to avoid it at all costs. But we need to see suffering. The reason we turn bitter is because someone has caused us to suffer. And so we get bitter. None of us like to suffer. Okay? So we turn bitter towards the person who brought that suffering into our lives instead of seeing it from God's perspective, God's point of view. Also, we need to repent of temporal values. And these are things that we've already talked about, and we're not going to go back over those. We need to repent of the temporal values. We need to thank God for the offense. Is that hard? It's very difficult to thank God for it, for the offense or the offender. We need to view the offender as God's agent of perfection. Um, I don't know how many of you remember, but years ago when we attended the Bill Gothard seminar, he had a, I wish I had a picture of it here, he had a, he had a picture of a diamond, which represented us, and then he had a chisel, and then he had God, a God in God's hand was a hammer. How many remember seeing something like that? Okay, just a couple of you. And that, that chisel was used by God to perfect that diamond. So it manifested the glory of God from every angle. And that, that chisel was those individuals that God's using to chip away at us and make us what God would have us to be. So we need to see the offender as God's agent of simply perfecting our lives. And then this is the one we're going to deal with tonight we need to exercise unconditional forgiveness towards those who have hurt us, offended us, wounded us uh, so deeply. So overcoming bitterness can only happen if we come to the place of unconditional forgiveness. Forgiveness involves an attitude towards your offender where you are no longer bitter towards them and you're no longer wishing them any harm. You're free from that. And isn't it good to be free and not to be all bound up in that sin or that iniquity of bitterness? We sing this song, Search me, O God, and know my what? Know my heart. Taken right there from Psalm 139, verse 23. So here's what I want you to do tonight. I want you to ask God to give you discernment. Okay? We're not thinking about someone else. We're thinking about ourselves here tonight. And say, Lord, as we work through this lesson with Pastor this evening, as we look, look at your word and the principles of your word, uh, would you reveal to us if there's any bitterness uh, you know, in our hearts here this evening? How many will do that with me tonight as we go through this? All right. Heavenly Father, I pray as we enter into this next session that, uh, Father, you would make it very clear to us if there is a root of bitterness in any one of our hearts tonight, if we have not come to the place where 
we have been willing to exercise this unconditional forgiveness just, just like you did on the cross when you said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And so help us to forgive others as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you have truly forgiven a person who has sinned against you, how many have ever had someone sin against them? How many have ever been hurt, wounded, offended, angry towards someone? If you've ever come to a place where you have really released all of that and given that over to the Lord and you've exercised unconditional forgiveness, then you know what a blessing that that is, right? You know what it's like to... I'm finally free from that burden of bitterness that I've been carrying for so long. The Bible said, for if, for if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. Now, let me ask you a question. Is that a difficult verse to interpret? That's about as clear as it gets, right? So obviously, if we have any unforgiveness in our heart, our relationship that we have, that intimacy with the Lord, that fellowship with the Lord, is not going to be there, right? That's why the Bible said if you have ought against someone, even before you bring your gift to the altar, what do you do? You go and you make sure things are right with that individual, then God will accept the gift from your hand. And so our, we need to understand this. Our relationship with God, our fellowship with God cannot be what God would have it to be if we have any root of bitterness in our life, any unforgiveness there, then our relationship with the Lord will be hindered. Can, can we all agree with that point right there? All right. So we really need to get past that as believers. Is it possible to live with an unforgiving spirit so long that you don't even recognize that you have it. You, you, you actually become blind to that. That's why the Bible said, beware, beware, watch out. You can become blind to this thing. Beware lest a root of bitterness spring up in you and trouble you and thereby defile many others. So if I'm bitter, does that bitterness just stay within my heart? No, it spreads to others, right? That I have contact with. It's just, it's like a cancer. It's that poison, it's that gall, it's, it's um, <clears throat> that, uh, that warm, that nasty wormwood thing. So the following exercise, I think, will really help us discern if there's any unforgiveness still lodged, and I use that word lodged, because it doesn't want to let go. Right? Doesn't want to let go. It lodged within our hearts. So let's ask some questions here. Have you ever been hurt? We've all said, yes, we've, we've been hurt. How many here have ever had someone lie to them? Come on, just get your, get your hand up there so I can see you participating. Okay, we've been lied to. How many like to be lied to? It's pretty upsetting, isn't it? Right? Very easy to become bitter towards someone who has lied to you. How many have ever had someone break a promise that they've made? And that root of bitterness goes down. Maybe you've been neglected by parents or children or family or friends. You've just been neglected. Do you ever find yourself 
telling others how that person has hurt you. You know why this is so dangerous? Because then that person takes up an offense. And now they become bitter because of something that happened to you. See how it defiles many others? If a person's name comes up in a conversation, are you, are you more likely to say something negative about them than you are positive about them? See, what I'm trying to do is help you to see by asking yourself these questions, is it possible that I still have a root of bitterness in my heart towards an individual? This is a really important one. I'm going to read it again. If the person's name comes up in a conversation that you're having, are you more likely to say something negative about them than you are positive about them? That'd be a good indicator that maybe you still have a bitter spirit toward them. I can't thank God for that person. Is there anyone right now that comes to your mind and you say, I just cannot thank the Lord for that person? could be that you're bitter toward that person. Well, we have a quiet assembly here tonight. Do you notice when we were dealing with anger, bitterness, and now having an unforgiving spirit, how quiet it's been in here? No amens. No laughter. If any of these statements are true, it could be an indication that you have not fully forgiven those who have sinned against you. Judge not, and ye shall not be what? Condemn, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be what? Forgiven. How many of you here want to be forgiven? What's the prerequisite to being forgiven? You have to forgive. Forgive us our... Forgive us our... As we forgive our debtors, those who are holding in debt to us. We'll talk about that in just a minute. So how can I forgive? Pastor, you're asking me to do something that's absolutely impossible. You have no idea how deeply that person has wounded me, offended me, and hurt me. How in the world could I ever forgive them? You know what's called? The grace of God. God's grace Actually, I'm working on a message about the grace of God, the manifold grace of God. The Bible said God's grace is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think. I call it the pyramid of grace. God's grace is able to do. God's grace is able to do exceedingly. God's grace is able to do exceedingly and abundantly. God's grace is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all I could ask or even think. So we may think there's no way, there's no way I could forgive this person for what they did. But God said, yes, there is. Yes, there is. We're going to tell you how to do it here tonight. Would God ever command us? He commands us to forgive, right? Forgive. He says, forgive. Would he ever command us to do something that would be impossible for us to do? Of course not. The answer to that is no. So God has to enable us to do what he is commanding us to do. 
If there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, the fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better themselves. Look not every man upon his own things, but every man also upon the things of other. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's a forgiving mind. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It is his good pleasure for us to what? What? Forgive. If it's his good pleasure for us to forgive, then he has to perform that work in and through us. So how does the Lord do that? That's what we'll talk about here tonight. So let's talk about a definition. What, what is biblical Forgiveness. Forgiveness means that you fully release your offender from his debt. Biblical forgiveness means that you never bring up that offense again. You never bring it up. You don't bring it up to God, you don't bring it up to others, and you don't bring it up towards the person that you were offended. The Bible said, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And their sin and their iniquity, I will what? Remember no more. Is it possible for God's grace to erase even the offense from our heart and from our mind? Yes, it is. Forgiveness really is a choice. We are going to choose tonight. If we discern that there's any unforgiveness in our hearts tonight, we are going to make a choice this evening before we leave here. Within the next 15, 20 minutes, we're going to make a choice. Are we going to forgive or are we going to hold on to that bitterness? Maybe there's been a violent crime that has been committed against you or against a loved one. Hard to forgive? Maybe you've been treated unfairly by your parents, maybe by an employer, by a friend, member of the family, husband, wife, but you've been treated very unfairly. Is it hard to forgive if you've been treated unfairly? If someone has slandered you or has spread a false accusation about you, is it hard to forgive? See how the devil just wants you to hold on to this? I am not going to forgive. I can't forgive them. I won't forgive them. Maybe you've been divorced. It's not something you wanted. Maybe your mate has committed adultery or been involved in some other sexual sin. How can I forgive them for that? Maybe you've been rejected by your parents, ones that should love you the most, but you've been rejected. Maybe someone has stolen from you. How do you forgive someone who's just stolen from you? 
Perhaps you've been cheated in a business dealing. Someone's really damaged you financially. Maybe you have rebellious or wayward children that have just broken your heart. Maybe you've been belittled. Maybe you had alcoholic parents or maybe an alcoholic mate. Maybe you've been publicly humiliated. There's so much physical, emotional, and sexual abuse today. It's just rampant. Maybe this has happened to you. How, how do you forgive someone who has sexually molested you? Here's the passage of scripture that we started with. We must forgive. Does God's word anywhere say that this offense that happened to you was so great that you don't need to forgive? Now, we listed some pretty horrible things back here, didn't we? Now, as you, as you look at that list, and we could have another page or two. How many of you see anything in there that has happened to you? Can I see your hand? Wow. At least three quarters of us raised our hand. So how do you do this? There's the command. All agreed, it's not easy. So as you reflect on the ways that you have been offended, do you find any of these statements to be true? Every time I think of that person, I still feel angry. I have a subtle desire to see that person pay for what he or she or they did. So wrong. Deep in my heart, I wouldn't mind if something bad happened to that person or persons. Now, I want you to really be honest with me right now. How many of you have felt that way before? I have. I absolutely have. But I see unto you which here, love your what? Love your what? Do good. Boy, we'll talk about this next step here in just a minute. Do good to them which hate you. Bless them which curse you. Pray for them which despitefully use you. But love your enemies and do good, lending, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be what? Great. Paul wrote, recompense to no man evil for, go back to the list. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things that are honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as it lieth within you, live peaceably with who? Would that include those who have hurt you, wounded you, and offended you? 
For it is written, vengeance is mine. Turn that thing over to the Lord. He'll do a much better job of dealing with it than you can. I'll repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, what? Feed him. Really? Seriously? If he thirsts, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head. Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Jesus, take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. If he repent, forgive him. If he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day again uh, to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt what? Forgive him. Does the same thing seven times in one day. What is the standard by which we should forgive. Even as Christ forgave you. Even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. That is our standard. What sin has the Lord not forgiven us of? Forgiven us of everything, right? Here's the deception. Satan up there in the right-hand corner tells us a lie. He is a liar and he's the father of lies. And he'll say something like this. You can't forgive them for what they did. Then you have the Apostle Paul right below him under the inspiration of the Spirit of God speaks truth. And what does the Apostle Paul tell us? I can do all things through what? Christ. So Satan says, no, you can't. Apostle Paul says, yes, you can. So who are we going to believe? If we believe Satan, there's no way I could ever forgive that person for what they've done. He or she has hurt me just too deeply. Satan, you're right. What does the Bible say? Do not give place to the devil. Cast down those imaginations. Bring every thought into the captivity of Christ. Yes, with God's help, I can. God, you're going to have to do this. Yes, I can't, and I can't, but God, you can through me. What are some of the hurts that Jesus has suffered for us? He was wounded for our what? You name it, he was wounded for it. How has God dealt with us who have sinned against him so greatly? Far as the east is from the west. Buried it in the deepest ocean. How did Jesus command us to respond to those who have wronged us? Forgive as I have forgiven you. I can't emphasize this enough. That is our standard of forgiving. So the act of forgiveness is only the starting place as we deal with those who have wronged us. The initial act of releasing the offender must be followed by investing positively in his or her life. If thy enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. That is a really hard thing to do. But if you are dealing with an unforgiving spirit, it's not just enough to say, 
Lord, help me forgive them. We got to take that next step of action. And we need to invest positively. Here we go. Where our treasure is, there will our heart be also. You have to invest in his or her life. This investment is the key to experiencing emotional healing and wholeness. Now, this is where most of us, we put the brakes on. I know I should forgive them. I want to forgive them. I'm asking God to help me to forgive them. But I cannot take that next step where I'm going to do something good for them. I'm going to serve them. Give my enemy drink. If he thirsts, if he's hungry, if he needs to be clothed. You know, what's really amazing is sometimes those people who have hurt us and wounded us and offended us so deeply, God will bring some major needs in their life. And then the Holy Spirit will prompt you to go meet that need. And that's where we resist the grace of God. And so because we resist the grace of God, I could never do that. Then that, that root of bitterness stays there. Are you all following what I'm saying? That root of bitterness stays there. I'm saying you've got to take that initial next step. As difficult as it is, you have to take it. How many times have I heard this? But pastor, you'd understand, they don't deserve to be forgiven. Is that a true statement? Yeah. That's a true statement. You know, let me ask you a question. Do we deserve to be forgiven? That's, that's absolutely, no, they don't deserve to be forgiven. We don't deserve to be forgiven. That's what grace is all about. But God commendeth his love towards us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ, he died for it. We didn't deserve it. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love worth, he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ, for by grace are you saved. Oh, this story of this woman. It is almost 8 o'clock already. This is a long passage of scripture, but how many of you remember the story about the prostitute and the Pharisees? The big wig Pharisees invite Jesus over for a meal. While he's enjoying a meal, this prostitute, this woman of the street, this sinful woman, comes bursting into the room. She throws herself at Jesus' feet. You can see it in the picture. She, she weeps. She anoints him. She has an alabaster box full of ointment. You know what that alabaster box full of perfume was? That's what she would lure men with. That's what she would perfume her bed with. I love that song, Broken and Spilled Out. She brought her broken life that perfume that represented the kind of person that she was and she pours it at Jesus' feet. And she weeps. 
And tears stream onto the feet of the Lord Jesus and she wipes his feet with her hair and the Pharisees are horrified. Doesn't he know what kind of woman this is? Jesus said, thou gavest me no kiss. But since the time I came in, she hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou dost not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. He could see right into the heart of this woman, this repentant woman, who's pouring her old life out at Jesus' feet. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. When I preached the tent revival two weeks ago, I preached on the woman caught in adultery. How she was taken by those self-righteous Pharisees and she was thrown at the feet of the Lord Jesus. And Jesus writes in the sand. One by one they dropped their stones and they convicted in their own conscience. They walked away from the Savior. Jesus lifts her up, again seeing into her heart, says, where are thine accusers? And then he said, neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. Here's the truth. The truth is that every one of us are just as guilty of that sin as that woman who was thrown at Jesus' feet. There's not one of us in this room tonight that has not had an immoral thought. There's not one of us here tonight that have not broken the law of God in every single way possible. That's what I'm saying tonight. We can stand in judgment. We can stand in criticism of others just like the Pharisees did. That that woman... Do you know the truth is we're all filthy, rotten, vile, disgusting sinners. Who God reached down in his grace. And the Bible said he has forgiven us all of our trespasses. If that's how God has forgiven us, then that's how we must forgive others. So what are the reasons why we should extend forgiveness towards those who have sinned against us? Is it because the offender is genuinely sorry for what he's done? Is that why we should forgive? Should we forgive because they promise they won't do it again? 
Should we forgive because we just say, you know, it was a, that was an understandable mistake. Anyone could have made that mistake. No, those aren't reasons why we forgive. You know why we forgive? Because God commanded us to and because we have been forgiven an infinite debt by a holy God. We forgive simply because we have been forgiven. Many have said, well, if I forgive them, then you're, you're saying I can let them off the hook. I know sometimes Satan put that thought in there, well, we're just letting him get away with it. Did the beloved avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for vengeance is mine. I'll repay, saith the Lord. Let me tell you something. You may be letting them off your hook, but they're not getting off God's hook. I want to say it again tonight. Please, my dear church family, let God deal with it. It's not your responsibility to deal with it. It's God's. And I want to tell you something. He will. God will take care of it. Letting your offender off the hook doesn't mean he's off God's hook. We're not responsible to keep him on our hook. Let him go and let God deal with them. And I think there's what we need to do. We need to distinguish between forgiveness and pardon. Forgiveness and pardon are not the same thing. When you forgive your offender, you are not pardoning them. These are two separate acts and are very clearly understood in the light of Scripture. Forgiveness involves your attitude towards the offender. You are no longer bitter towards them and you no longer wish them any harm. That's forgiveness. Pardon is when you release that person from the legal penalty of their offense. I don't have the authority to pardon them. I can forgive them, but I cannot pardon them. Pardon cannot be given without the jurisdiction or the authority to do it. Joseph forgave his brothers in his heart long before he had the authority to pardon them. So he was not holding them in prison. Once he had the authority to pardon them, he was able to forgive them and pardon them. But the only reason he was able to pardon them is because years ago he had forgiven them. Listen to what he said. But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as is this day to save much people alive. Let him off your hook. God will deal with it. As you examine your heart tonight, do you find that there's any unforgiveness there? Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins, my mind, and my heart. When you think of the person who has hurt, which of the following attitudes do you experience? Emotional churning? Desire for revenge, hard to ask God to bless him, hard to see any good qualities in their life. You want others to know 
what you know about them? Or do you have a desire for God to bless them? Desire to see them spiritually restored? A sense of rest and relinquishment. That bitterness is gone. A gratefulness to God for that person. Humble to how greatly you have sinned against God and how much he has forgiven you. Which side do you fall on? The unforgiving spirit or the forgiving spirit? Then we come to the person that says, I'm just not going to forgive. And that may be one of you here tonight. I don't know. I don't know your heart. But maybe you're sitting there and saying, I'm just not going to do it. I am not going to forgive that person. Well, guess what? That's your choice. Right, church? We're getting to the end here. That's your choice. But if you do refuse to forgive, you'll not be forgiven. Your relationship with God will never be what it could be. To whom he forgave anything, I forgive also. For if I forgive anything, 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 remember the list, anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgive I it in the person of Christ. Lest Satan should get a what? Advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So here's what's going to happen. If you say tonight, I am not going to forgive, your relationship with God will never be what it could be. And Satan is going to get an advantage in your life. Now, you know what? To me, that's a scary thought. That's a scary thought to think, well, I'm just opening myself wide open to Satan's attack. So my advice to you tonight would be forgive. (laughs) Take these principles that we learned and forgive. And ask the Lord, forgive me for not forgiving. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.